everyone knows how to play poker. Poker, poker. But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everyone. Big Dave and Joe here for another edition of Poker Action Line. A lot of stuff going on in the world of poker. The uh, GG Poker online series for the WSOP continues. They were able to bounce back from their big uh, disaster that we talked about last week as the opener uh, crashed on Sunday the 26th. Uh, they were actually uh, the 19th. They came back on the 26th and finished up the tournament, finished up the uh, the. Uh, the poker tournament they had for uh, COVID-19 to benefit that charity. And uh, they finished a bunch of things. There's also uh, some funny stuff happening as well. And I really want to uh, uh, throw caution to the winds and carry uh, Daniel Negreanu's uh, little speech online during his poker tournament, but it is absolutely vulgar. And I decided that, uh, you know, can't quite use it. We worked hard on this show for 10 years and we don't want to lose it with one show. In fact, he lost his Twitch channel. Joe, you heard it a few times. Uh, would you think that uh, that would come out of the mouth of Daniel Negreanu? Well, yes, I could believe those words could come out of his mouth, just not on his radio show. <laughs> <laughs> he must have been. I would love. I mean, I've heard it. We we, we were just playing it before we came on the air, folks. And I mean, holy holy cow! You know, let's just put it that <laughs> way. Holy cow! You know, man. Um, I'm just curious as to what what set him off. What kind of comment was well? Made there was by a the comment in the, in the chat box uh, from someone who was viewing the tournament about Negreanu's wife. He got married earlier this spring uh, to Amanda Leatherman, who uh, former. Uh, poker host of the big game and uh, uh, poker media person. And they got married and they're very happy together. She's a very cute girl. And uh, they've known each other for about, God, I guess close to 10 years. Uh, in fact, I was going through uh, some old tapes and came across the big game and saw her interviewing him. And that was one of the first times they probably ever met. And it turns out that they got married in a beautiful wedding earlier this spring. But supposedly the uh, viewer uh, mentioned something uh, in the chat box that set Negranu off. And he flipped him on, dropped a few F-bombs on the show. A few. <laughs> told told him that he was going to knock his teeth out if he uh, ever saw him in person. He was and feed, feed it to him and feed it to him in a place that's not his mouth. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you get the idea. There's no reason to rub it in and, uh, <clears throat> you know, put it on the show. But, uh, uh, I guess everybody, I, I, what are your thoughts on that, Joe? I mean, we've come to social media where people are nasty and people lose their temper and respond. It's not in real time, obviously, like one of those things where you've seen many times someone would just say, hey, let's take it outside, buddy. Well, listen, you know, this again, without knowing exactly what was said, but I can only imagine how nasty it must have been or, you know, what was written down in the chat box there. But, um, you know. This this sounds like, you know, with the person who was sending it out to Daniel, and again, I don't know Daniel personally, but, you know, people talk about liquid courage, you know, how when you're a little bit liquored up, you don't mind fighting because all of a sudden inhibitions are gone. Well, the Internet in those chat boxes is like 10 times worse than being having liquid 
courage because if you're anonymous and no one knows who you are, you get away with all that with all those craps. I've been reading these things since since poker started on the internet, and I would laugh my ass off listening to the comments back and forth between two supposed players at the table. And you honestly don't have a clue whether you're talking to a 80 year old man, a 70 year old woman, a 19 year old kid. And again, if you got to that point, what Daniel said and, and the comments that he made in person, I, I would have imagined blows would have been thrown. Yeah, obviously. Uh, I, I kind of liken it to my entire career that as a, uh, as a uh, PR director at High Lie, uh, announcing for many years when we had fans of four or 5,000 almost every single day, every single weekend, uh, you know, people get very angry when they got their money on players. A guy would make a mistake and people would often uh, curse, even go up near the screen. But to be honest, when there was 4,000 people, the players never could pick out a comment by a fan. Uh, when when things went south and there were only a handful of people in the stands, all of a sudden, you know, they're able to pick out those things. So players would, uh, you know, um, a couple of times there were a few incidents where a player wanted to take a fan out in back of the front on and take him on. Uh, so the whole thing is when the fans have a lot of courage, when there's a big screen in between you and the players, you could say just about anything you want and figure you're never going to have to face them physically. Uh, same thing here with social media. When people put these things in the tweets and, and on Facebook and they, uh, they're in no fear of getting responded to physically, they get very uh, courageous. Exactly. And, you know, we've seen it, you know, in, in, in multiple sports, mostly in basketball, where you hear these people going, hey, you, this person's saying this, they hear it out loud. I know in some instances they've been throwing those fans out, but then when they interview the athlete afterwards, they go, yeah, that person would never come up to me in the, in the street and say that to my face because, you know, <laughs> you're looking at a, at a well-conditioned, huge athlete, you know, against a big mouth, you know, and um, it is. It's nasty. Um, you know, never having had that happen to me of being in that position like that. But uh, as an athlete, you know, as long as they don't, you know, they can tell you you suck. I mean, I, I've, I've always been one of those, tell me I suck, you know, that, that I'm the worst I'm ever. Once you start making it personal, then, you know, you're, in my opinion, you're, you're, you're going into a different realm and there should be consequences for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, David Lappin uh, put out the uh, video online on Twitter, and uh, you can find that on several different places, including Card Player and uh, I believe uh, Poker News as well. But the thing about Negranu is, uh, you know, earlier this month we saw Matisau uh, threaten uh, someone who kind of slow rolled him in a tournament with pocket aces. And uh, it turns out it was actually a woman that they found out later on. But uh, he was very nasty and vicious and uh, people weren't happy with it. So then Negranu, let me just go ahead. I'm sorry, Big Well, Let me just add that Negranu had a blow up earlier this month when he uh, was playing in a tournament and his Internet went out and he got uh, bumped off uh, the site uh, in the middle of a hand and it was ready to flip over the table. So he lost his temper there on camera. Uh, and then now here, a week later, a week and a half later, this happens. And he's one of the most, uh, you know, visible ambassadors of the game. And he's not only that, but a front man for GG Poker. So, um, you know, he, he really should know better than that. And uh, the response from the poker community was, was not positive. 
No, I mean, you know, obviously because of who he is, again, Hall of Famer. Um, but it, not knowing what was said to my wife, you know, this is something that obviously could have been handled a little bit better. Uh, somebody was definitely trying to poke him and get under his skin. <laughs> and they were very successful. And and going forward, this may be something to get under his skin at a live table once, once, once all this bullshit with pandemic is over <laughs> and we can get back to some sort of normal uh, life. Um, you know, again, it's, we, we're all human, Dave. We, I've done it. I've, I've, I had a major meltdown in my poker room where one guy had been pushing my buttons for the whole week. And on a Saturday afternoon, he, he, he pushed the last button and I sat there and, and, and my tirade didn't include as many F-bombs, but it included a whole bunch <laughs> in the middle of my poker room as the poker room manager. And I looked at the police officer who came running. I go, get this effing a-hole out of my effing room right effing now. Right. And at that moment, I, this was on a domino table just for our listeners. So this wasn't even on a poker table. It was on a domino table that we were running. My whole domino room was full of 12 tables. And I had about nine, 10, 12 poker tables running. When I turned around to face the poker tables, not one dealer was dealing, not one person was looking at their cards. Everybody's eyes on that room were staring at me. So I calmly said, oh boy, you really effed up here. So I walked over to my assistant. I said, take over the room because before they fire me, I'm gonna go and probably have to resign now. And what? Go ahead. Go well, ahead. I was just going to say, you know, you get angry and you say what you got to say, but uh, Negranu, uh, you know, he's a nice guy. We know that over the many years. And after both these blowups, he said something funny that, you know, and made him know that, well, maybe that was a little out of line. But when he was ready to flip over his computer, when he got knocked off that uh, tournament, he looked over and he saw that his dogs were like terrified, like they, like he was yelling at them. And he said, it's okay, buddy. It's okay. You know? And, and he was like that this time he finished his tirade and looked at his hand and he had King queen offsuit. And he says to the guy, oh, you don't have ace King, do you? <laughs> <laughs> he, he got back into his poker. No, but just like you said with the dogs, it was so funny because you know who my boss is. And I walked into his office and I said, listen, in case you need to, before it gets to you, I'm going to tell you. And he just sat there very silently, listened to me. And then he started to laugh and he goes, damn, Joe, this guy must have really pushed all your buttons because I've never seen you get so upset with people. And and it was the talk of the room for about a whole week. Even people yeah. who weren't there heard about it. They'd come up to me and go, did you really say all of this? So, yeah, you know, I, uh, I'm sure Negrano feels, you know, a little bit, you know, regret regrets having said those comments to the point where everybody heard that this guy got under his skin. Yeah. So, you know, but he's a great ambassador to poker. I guarantee you nine, nine out of 10 poker players like Daniel Negrano because he is such a nice guy, such an intelligent, well, you know, has stood up for different things in the poker world. I uh, stood for and against things that have gone on in the poker world. We've, we've been talking about them for 10 years, 10 plus years now. So uh, I'm thinking I'm going to laugh this off and just chalk this up to, they really got them on a bad day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if we've been talking about the tournaments and the results, and of course, you know, a lot of people are playing on nine. We really don't know who they are, who might get their names after the fact, but <clears throat> I think, uh, 
if you if you want to f- follow poker and look for some breakout candidates, this certainly is 2020 is the year to find it. But uh, I always like, you know, seeing the people I know do well. And uh, uh, Tony Dunst uh, won a bracelet this week. So I was happy to see that. He had won one in the past. But uh, Tony is, uh, you know, of course, now the uh, commentator for the World Poker Tour. And uh, he took over for... Uh, Mike Sexton, who was also in the news this week because uh, they changed the name of the Champions Cup uh, to uh, name it for Mike, which is a a real honor for him. So we'll talk about both these guys. They're both uh, people that Joe and I really respect. We've had them on the show several times. Uh, Mike was always real nice at a couple of the cherry events and did some long interviews that you could pick up in the past on our show. And uh, it actually complimented me that, uh, that there were a couple of the best interviews he said he'd ever done. And I was happy to happy to, and proud to, to hear him say that. Yeah, Dave, I mean, you know, like you said, we have a lot of respect for both of those people. And uh, I'm glad they, they honored him with that. That's that is a quite an honor. Yeah, the, the WPT's Champions Cup, now the Mike Sexton Champions Cup. And, uh, you know, obviously he has a long uh, past uh, in reading that uh, Stewie Younger uh, book written by uh, Nolan Dalla. Sexton uh, came up with uh, Stewie and knew him for a long time when he was at his most successful era. And uh, Sexton has won a World Series of Poker bracelet. He was uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2009. He also won a WPT event in Montreal in 2016. So he's been around uh, the poker world for a long time. It was nice to see him get this. He stepped down from the booth in May of 2017, and he's now the chairman of Party Poker, the online site that's uh, big in Europe. Anyway, his quote uh, after being honored, he said, uh, he said, probably getting inducted into the Poker Hall of Fame was I was most proud about, but I didn't think anything could ever surpass that. But this is this is a great honor. Uh, renaming the Champions Cup, the Mike Sexton WPT Champions Cup. He goes, especially because I created the original tournament of champions back in the 90s, won a TFC was a commentator for first 15 years of the World Poker Tour and got my name on the cup in Montreal. I love the WPT, how they changed poker forever, and I'll be eternally grateful to them for this incredible honor. Showing his class like always. So Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, his replacement, Tony Dunst, uh, on the World on the World Poker Tour, uh, actually won a bracelet this week, and uh, we're following that. It was uh, his second career bracelet. Uh, he won the uh, $770 No Limit Hold'em six-handed event on Tuesday night uh, of last week. So about a week ago when we were doing the show, he outlasted 848 opponents. And let's see, he had won uh, one previous bracelet, a $1,000 No Limit Hold'em tournament at the Rio in 2016. He also finished second last year in a $5,000 No Limit Hold'em tournament as well. So he came down. Uh, he defeated uh, James Pace in head-to-head play, uh, knocked out a couple of people. Uh, really had an easy time of it at the final table. He knocked out John Turner uh, after Turner had uh, re-raised all in pre-flop with ace-9 and Dunst had king-jack suited, then flopped the jack. Uh, he knocked out Krista Gifford in fifth when he had ace when he had pocket kings against her king 10 so uh took it easy and then uh was up by six million chips going into head to head play and it only took him 10 minutes to finish the job well, that's all it took him was 10 minutes yeah the final well, hand uh pace limped pre-flop 
Dunce checked, and the flop was five of spades, seven of spades, four of diamonds. Uh, Dunce bet 200,000, Pace made the call. Three of spades on the turn, so possible flush out there. Also straights and straight flush possibilities. Uh, Dunce checked, probably a tremendous bet there because he was holding uh, uh, Jack eight of spades. So he had he had turned the flush, uh, but he uh, checked. Yeah, he turned the flush draw or the flush. You said? He turned the flush. He Jack high flush. Okay. Uh, checked. Pace bet four hundred twenty-five thousand. Dunce raised him, and Pace called, and the river was a queen of hearts. So uh, he pushed them all in. Then pushed them all turn. in after the queen. Well, listen, when the cards run like that for you, where you call Ace Nine with King Jack and flop a Jack. Pocket King, somebody pushes all in. And, uh, you know, this particular hand, sometimes sometimes it's really nice. Like, I don't know about you, Dave, but when I used to bet sports, people would say, oh, these blowout games are boring. I go, it's only boring if you're not on the right side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're not on the right side of this. So, well, this the weird thing, and this is, situation. Al- this is always what happens when you come down to head-to-head play. Some, you need to have the guy you're playing have a good hand. Not a you. You have a great hand, and he has a very good hand. Or, or uh, you need him to make a mistake, make him think you're that you're weak, and he pushes trying to steal a right. or a blinds, and and you know there's a lot of psych- different psychological things that you're hoping for when you're when your heads up. Pace was holding the Queen of Spades and the Six of Clubs, so he f- uh, turned a straight, and uh, Dunst turned the the flush. Yeah, and but he had the higher flush draw. Pace, yeah, Pace would have uh, won the hand if he could have got a, a spade on the river. Yep, exactly. So that's the call there. You're, I don't think you could have done anything there. He hit the straight, so and he's got and he's got a spade in his hand. There's there's nothing wrong with his all you know making that bet and calling all in. I would have done the same. Yeah. Well, uh, we're following the tournaments. Ian Steinman picked up his first bracelet. Uh, he, Ian's a guy that. Uh, we had talked about on the show one day, made a totally incredible call. I'd have to go back and look it up, but uh, uh, that's one reason I remember him. But uh, he picked up uh, a uh, World Series of Poker bracelet this week, and uh, some of the other people that uh, won bracelets, uh, Simon Lofberg picked up $2,500 PLO, and uh, they did finish the opener, which had over 29,000 players, and uh, talking about someone you never probably heard of, Yako Levajic Pudla was the, the winner of that one. <laughs> I'm so glad you did the name there, buddy. <laughs> also, there was a player who was streaming his tournament uh, on Twitch when he won his WSOP bracelet. His name, Ethan Yao. He won the uh, 164000 for his first bracelet. Uh, he's a low-stakes cash game player. And he won the grand finale tournament while uh, actually it was on the YouTube channel, his Rampage Poker YouTube channel and picked up that one. So uh, he was the victor there, beating Brian Patrick in head-to-head play. Uh, but it's funny, you look down all these lists of people and, you know, <laughs> I've heard very few, I've heard of very few of them. Oh, well, that's... <laughs> Sometimes when they're running the World Series of Poker like they normally do, we we don't hear of everybody there, but at least we got a visual on them, and they give us a background story on on ESPN. So, 
Right. Uh, the tournament, the opener, they uh, obviously had to wait a week to come back and get that one online. There was 3,684 players remaining, and they had to eliminate about uh, 650 players to get down to the money. Uh, the minimum payday was $282. I wonder how many people just said, that ain't worth it. I got a short stack, and I'm not coming back. But uh, it took them 10 hours on the final day of play to get down to the final table of nine. And Pudla uh, was the winner of that tournament, uh, defeating uh, Ronit Shamani uh, for the title. Pablo Silva was fifth, and Jonas Makoff was eighth. So uh, we're keeping up to date. Uh, We're not uh, falling in love with any new players out there because we really don't know who they are, to be honest. Uh, Really miss some of the uh, human interest stories that they're able to show on the World Series of Poker. So, uh, hopefully we'll get to back to that either later yeah. this year or next summer. Yeah. Okay. Big Dave, that, that always gets you a little bit emotionally invested in, in, in some of the players. Let's take a break here in the show. We'll come back, talk about a few other things. There's some other things in the news, but, uh, you know, some good, some bad. We'll, uh, talk about it when we come back. You're listening to poker action line. We'll be back after these messages on the program. This is poker action line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... (laughs) Sometimes, though. (laughs) You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman. Let's break for lunch. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, bringing you another edition of Poker Action Line. Uh, How much do you think uh, this whole social um, fall to raw we've been going through with COVID-19 is responsible for some of these temper blowups in the world of poker, Joe? Uh, (laughs) If if I had to put an over and under on it, I'd say at least 75%. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's frustrating. It really is. And, Especially, you know, in this country where, where you know, very few sites are open to you, um, you know, and you can't play. I would imagine a lot of the frustration is also not being able to go to Vegas and play live over there. So, yeah, if these blow-ups that we're seeing, I might attest to 70, 75% of it being because of what's happened over the last four months or so. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough to, uh, well, you know, I think I see it all over the place and, and, uh, I think socially, I think uh, there are things to deal with out there that we didn't before. I think a lot of women that I've seen blowing up very easily in public that, you know, a long time ago, they just would have, you know, kept their mouth shut and, uh, you know, stayed away from any types of arguments. But I've seen uh, several instances with me personally that some kind of little run-in uh, has uh, escalated really quickly. And I don't know if that's going to be the way things are from now on, but uh, people are angry well, and they've taken it out on their, their fellow man or fellow well, woman. Listen, Dave, everybody say that this is a scenario where we have a country where obviously it's very divided. In, and I'm not talking politically, although it probably falls down political lines, but people who don't believe that the numbers are as bad as they are, uh, people who believe they don't have to wear a mask, you know, and, and the, the staunch people who, you know, they don't want to go anywhere without a mask. They don't even want to leave their house. And, you know, people are feeling like some of their civil rights are being infringed upon because of states and cities and municipalities all putting different restrictions on, on their limitations. So, you know, <laughs> tempers get short in situations like this. And like you said, David, in the poker world, you don't see too many women usually getting, you know, they, they have a lot better composure than the men do. They, they act like better human beings than the men do. But, um, uh, you know, all bets are off, so to speak, after four months of doing this, having to deal with your, you know, I, I know you don't have children, Dave, and I have a grandson now who's six years old. And I know what my oldest daughter, his mother's going through with the schooling, you know, and, I don't know if you've been reading some of the social media posts, especially early on, you know, uh, one of them that always made me laugh was one lady goes, my kids teachers are, are is, is a effing liar because she told me, she told me my kids were wonderful. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so, and so, you know, these are some of the things that, that, you know, we're going through and after four months, and also, if you're having economic troubles on top of all of that, uh, it's a perfect melting pot for that stuff to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was looking at some of the other news in the world of poker. And uh, I, just, just going back to COVID for a second, because we're going through a situation with our baseball team down here in South Florida, the Miami Marlins, uh, that have now four more players tested positive for COVID. And they are holding off their schedule. Uh, I think the the Yankees said that they didn't want to play the Marlins. Uh, you know, I guess they were scheduled well, for this weekend. Forget, forget. No, that's that's, the, that's Na- the Nationals. The, the Nationals. Nationals. You're right. Okay, you're right. The Nationals have said they don't want to fly down here. Baltimore actually, after taking two out of three from Boston, um, flew down here. You know, for yesterday's game, they were supposed to play yesterday and today. Uh, the Phillies Yankee game got canceled because the Yankees were going to be in the locker room that the Marlins just vacated. Right. So I don't know how you feel about this. And I'd love to hear Joe's opinion on this too, Joe, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to get a feeling that this season isn't going to finish. Yeah, I think so. What do you think, Joe? I'm hopeful and cautiously optimistic. I believe that these are things that need to be learned, that there's procedures that can be learned and improved. There's always the, concept phase where you think 
this is what we're going to do and we're going to put this in place and it's going to work. And immediately there are things that you have to change and learn and adapt and, and overcome. And I think we learned something right away. Like we learned we learned and uh, these rosters are deeper for a reason. They have protocols in place. And so now the Marlins, those guys are going to have to sit out and there's going to have to be other players that come up and play. As far as I understand, the systems worked like they didn't put another team in there. And uh, now it didn't work fast enough. Well, we learned a lesson. And next time, anytime there is a, a question, they're going to hold players off the field. Uh, also, it all comes back to the number one thing, which I, I believe I shared with you guys on this uh, show, and maybe not. I shared it with a lot of people that I tried to get a test, and it was six days to get the test and six days to get the result. So I elected to not get the test. The success of testing is only as good as the time between the test and the right, result. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, exactly. good, good point. Uh, so but if you as get far the result quickly, then you can find out and keep playing. And so they're just right. going to have to invest. They're going to have well, to invest. what's happened now to the Marlins is, I guess, out of 33 players on the original roster, 15 of them have tested positive and are going to have to sit out for at least two weeks. They're going to have to bring up minor league players, so guys that have never played in the majors before. And it's very easy because it's the Marlins for people to say, well, they weren't going to challenge anyway. But if the Marlins ever had a chance to uh, make an expanded playoff situation uh, in a 60-game schedule, that was probably their best opportunity. And that's uh, going by the well, but, Dave, Joe, you know, listen, we know what the numbers have been like down here in Miami. Yeah. I believe I believe they were doing their, quote, summer training, their summer spring camp at Miami, yeah. you know, in the stadium. Special precautions should have gone into sale. I mean, listen, you know, I've been now over three weeks down that they reclosed the casino again. Broward County hasn't done that. But, you know, this is a scenario they should have been – better prepared for you know in my opinion and and like joe says i don't know how quickly they find out but that six seven day period is it just doesn't work for anybody forget about baseball players or athletes in, in general this doesn't work for anybody i'd i'd hate to go there and take a test today and then you know again you have to self-quarantine yourself from everybody that you know your family your friends your co-workers for X amount of time without really knowing if you have this or not. And we need a much better system in place. Well, well here's it. Go ahead, Joe. Well, I was going to suggest that n number one, we definitely do. And we're in a hot spot that everybody knows, but like the where and exact that, uh, you know, Marlon player one got it and how he got it like that. I do not know. And so maybe that's coming out or been reported or being reported. But to get to where we need to go, you got to go through this period. And that's why the Marlins recently credited with having the fourth best minor league system in the majors, you know, whether whether or not that's accurate or not. This is going to be a full a season where the full organizations are tested if we are going to play all year long. You're going to have to have your your uh, secondary roster ready because there are going to be players that this is this is going to happen. This is not the last time it's going to happen. They're going to have to create a system by which we can move beyond it. And if a AAA player has to go up into the bigs for a week or two, those are the breaks. Well, and one real quick point, Joe and Dave, think about it. What happens if, you know, Joe and I are diehard Yankee fans. Big Dave is, is, is anything but a Yankee fan. Yes. But, um, but, you know, God forbid the Yankees, even though we know it's a short series, whether it's the Yankees, Dodgers, Astros, whoever. 
a contending team has been able to play through, and then something similar to this happens at the end of September. Now they're going to have to bring up these, these, you know, minor leaguers who aren't even playing minor league games. They're kind of just in a, an extended training camp to to represent them in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and and I don't know if they've thought about that that process going forward. You know, completely know cheapens the uh, completely cheapens the league. Okay, but yep. okay, but yes, but like this is a hindsight discussion. Uh, as are so many. It was once said, or I guess Winston Churchill said, that leave it. The Americans will always do the right thing after they've exhausted every other option. And <laughs> this is a perfect situation of just another layer of how we continue. We, meaning uh, you know, our country, our people, our leadership, in all avenues, to underestimate. This virus, like, open back up. Everybody get back out there. Let's get back out there. Oh, wow, this was a big mistake. We've ruined it. And here we go again. Um, If that happens, that nightmare you just described, Joe, it's going to be a gut punch to the country. It's going to be a a, a huge issue. Everyone's excited about baseball. And if we get to that point and we haven't figured it out, I think you got to sequester these guys. They got to go into a bubble too. That should be part of it. And you don't get to hang with your family. Sorry. You want to play well, baseball? Joe, you don't get to. You don't get to hang with your family. Say goodbye for six months. Joe, I want you to compare uh, the baseball situation to poker down here because you you know very well that Dade County has been uh, shut down for poker, uh, pretty much in just about every place except for I, I guess Mikasuki. I don't know if they're playing down there or not. No, but, they did not reopen. Okay, but the fact is, uh, poker players in, especially in North Dade County, are going to drive up to the Hard Rock. There, you've heard that the news that they are just doing absolutely killer during this whole situation, and people aren't staying away from the tables; they'll just drive a little farther to play. Exactly, and and the fear, the fear for me there is: listen, as a player, you obviously calculate the risk; you you decide to take it upon yourself. Because no one's putting a gun to your head and telling you go out the door and go play go play poker at the Hard Rock or any other place that has poker live right now. You know what the consequences can be, what the risks involved. Okay, but as an employee, you understand, you don't have that say. Yeah, you could stay home, but you're not going to earn any money. And I, I, I don't know. I, to be honest with you, you know. There, I don't know yet if the aisle opened up their poker room, but I know the aisle and Gulfstream had not opened up their poker rooms as of about a week or 10 days ago when they could have already been open for, for a while. Okay. Right. And, you know, I applaud management in that regards because, you know, they've kept it away. You know, they've, they've assessed the risk and don't think that it's worth it. And to be honest with you, you know, there are certain rules in, 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 in this in both of our counties that probably should not be open until, you know, this is done. Redo it again and reinvent yourself as a poker room and try to compete down the line or, you know, seriously think about closing down the poker rooms. Yeah. Because some of us, some, some of the rooms are not going to be able to compete with the bigger yeah, rooms, absolutely. obviously. Absolutely. And, and again, are you going to risk closing down a casino uh, uh, again? And I preface this day by saying that outside of Dade and Broward counties, okay, they may not have a choice because poker, the revenue, the poker revenue is, is a big part of their, their total revenue for the year. Right. While down here, although places like the hard rock, the aisle, 
Hialeah Magic City that we know of probably include the Big Easy. It draw it 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 creates a, a a large enough revenue where it's okay, but you don't even those revenues don't you don't want that affecting the slot revenue. Yeah, it's a drop in the bucket compared to the money they make. Exactly. Slots. So you know, and there are greater chances in in a card room where the people are on top of each other. Then if you've been in the casinos, you know that, okay, I'm playing this machine, Dave. You can't play a machine until it's three machines away from me. Joe's got to play three more before you. So there's a, better, there's a much better chance of you being isolated and not catching it on the slot side than in any of the card room venues down here. In talking about some of the prevention of the disease and uh, turning the curve back a little bit, uh, just what we're dealing here in South Florida, the numbers are absolutely horrible every day. I mean, we're talking about five figures of new cases in the state of Florida. We're talking about uh, 150 to 200 deaths almost every single day. And one of the ways to turn this thing around is to do the social uh, tracing to do uh, to trace the, the cases to talk to people, but from what I've heard here in Dade County, they haven't tried that hard because they have called people. They've only got a response from what I heard about from seven percent of people that they've called to, to, to trace seven percent, and most of the people either won't answer their phone, won't call them back, and then not only that, but some of these states are doing the, the, the contact tracing, taking people that are, uh, you know, whose names they get, putting them up in a hotel to keep them away from other people and really doing a good job of preventing the, the disease from spreading. But here in Florida, they call people, and if they did get a response from that 7%, they haven't even called people back again. Well, uh, and you're talking about what the seven percent? Uh, you'll forgive me because I, I was trying well, to. Well, hundred percent of people that they've tried to call to contact trace only seven percent tested positive, and who they've been in touch with, and people either haven't responded, don't answer their phone, uh, they haven't been able to get a hold of those people. So, uh, if they do get a hold of some people, and then they haven't even followed up on any of these calls. It's well, a national again, embarrassment. It, like, let, let's call it what it is. I, I know people log on here, uh, Poker Action Line on SoundCloud, Spotify, write us a review. There's been too many weeks without a new review. You guys need to get on it because these guys work their tails off. But uh, it's a national embarrassment. Everything, every single layer of it, from the leadership to the citizens not doing it, like not understanding what it's all about, that it is serious. Like even the mask stuff, how many weeks and months were the masks a concern? And finally, now everybody's on the same page with masks. But really, are they? There was all that wasted time that was spent debating masks. Now the contact tracers. Should you answer the phone when they ask you? Does it even matter if you waited six days since you got the test and six more days to get the results? Like, okay, Joe, you're positive. Well, how many people did you interact with? About 300 in the last yeah. 12 <laughs> days of my how life. Do I know? How do I know? <laughs> how do I know? Can I even remember any of them? And and that's the, the, the problem. It's from Jump Street, from the very first second, the very first day, it has been handled like it has been a hoax. And it's a real thing. You got to treat it with a, a real strategy, a national strategy that is focused, like you're actually fighting a war against the virus. And we haven't been, and we're not going to stop it until we do. And that's yeah. that's all there is. It's not going away. People are not going back to work. The kids are not going back to school until we can make people feel confident 
And how do you make them feel confident? Well, yeah, listen, the only one is to let them know that this is over with, that we have a vaccine. Uh, Joe, Dave, I don't know about you guys, but you know, every time I read things in the paper, watch different news broadcasts, because I don't want it skewered one way or the other. I'm going to listen to where it comes from both ends. You understand? And, and the prevailing thing is we can't come to an we, we can't get a majority of people to come to an agreement as to whether we should wear masks, whether we, you know, whether they're, whether we should have this or the other. And, and it's become very difficult because each state has handled it on their own. And like you said, Joe, yeah, yeah, this absolutely. should have been a federal decision passed down from our, from our leaders on top to the states and said, this is what we need to do. And, and let's, let, let's say, this, no, let's, say no let's say we get a successful vaccine, maybe two or three different ones. They're all working very hard at it. Could come up with something very positive. How many people are actually going to take it? I heard less than 50%. And on that point, I received no joke, two separate propaganda video posts in my Facebook messenger. And anybody that does the Facebook knows that through the messenger, you receive some of the most uh, you know, bizarre at best and vile at worst posts uh, vilifying the vaccine process in advance, talking about how the vaccine is going to be population control, eugenics, blah, 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 et cetera, and so on. And all that is, is an attempt to cause doubt, to sow the seeds of doubt in the vaccine. So, Dave, you're right. There's going to be a large number of people who are afraid of the vaccine. Like, what's in that vaccine? And even me, who I am confident in vaccines, I believe in vaccines. If you ask me right now, do you feel confident in, you know, anything? And the answer is, ooh, I don't I don't know. I don't know that I feel confident in anything right now. And that's all yeah. the product of, of what we've been going through uh, yeah. in our world. And who brings it back? How do you bring it back? We I are absolutely screwed. Yeah. No, David, it's not screwed. It's the problem is people need to realize that this may take we may not have the confidence that Joe's talking about where people have to actually volunteer to take a vaccine and then be exposed to COVID-19 to see if, 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 if the vaccine works, okay? We may not get the full trial measures of this, no matter how hard they try to do this, until possibly the end of next year. You understand where, where they can honestly see all the different data that comes up from all of this. Is there anything else down the road that, hey, you didn't get it for six months exposed, then all of a sudden something else came up, and now you've got COVID-19. This, this, is a, this is a long-term issue that we're going to have, and everybody's looking for a short-term fix. So I, I've got a friend who worked in the medical field as a hospital administrator, not a doctor, but she's, you know, knowledgeable and made a, made a post that I'm going to paraphrase right now, which is basically, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the herpes virus and... Uh, the, the, chronicling different virus experiences that we have had over the years, like the flu and herpes and HIV, and that they have been researched for many, many, many years, and there are still no vaccines for some. There's just treatments. And on top of that, they all have a negative long-term effect on you. So if you have uh, herpes, for instance, like if you have emotional or you get run down, you can have a flare up, these kind of things. We do not understand this 
virus. It is brand new. We do not know what lies ahead in terms of these people who are saying, well, 99% get well and everything. But what if two years from now, uh, like uh, chickenpox, for instance, you know, it lies dormant until you're an old person and then you get shingles, right? So that as an uneducated example, because I work behind a microphone for a reason. I'm not a doctor. Uh, But let's use that as an example. What is that uh, equivalent with the coronavirus. We've already heard of people having strokes. Somebody got paralyzed. There's all kinds of weird stuff going on, and nobody feels confident in the information. So when you say, hey, let's, when are we getting back to Disney? When are we going back to poker? When, for me, going back to racing? When are we going to all be out there together? I don't know. I don't know that that happens. And I think maybe people need to start investing. And I just watched a guy talking about this right now online gambling to bring it back to gambling like live online blackjack live online poker for the citizen like where i can go onto a website and see joe dealing out except a much more attractive version of himself hopefully Um, (laughs) you, you, you know and like i log into the thing and i see a person and i say hey guys just like we're talking right now uh for those who are listening audio only we've got a zoom like thing going on and we play a game and we play and it's legal like those are the things that's got going to have to be the evolution that people start talking about and i know nobody wants that to be true i don't want that to be the only thing but if the doctor yeah. medical situation turns out to be what those other viruses that we have yet to solve after so many decades is that the case then we're going to have to adapt. Like you, you have well, to that adapt. Well, stuff is going on, obviously, around the world. It's just the backwards uh, USA is uh, a little late uh, to the table. Well, nope. and listen, we started just talking about the Marlins down here in South Florida. And like that, that could be just the very small tip of, the, of a huge iceberg because football today was opening day for almost teams, okay? And if they're not in a bubble scenario, and we already saw today a bunch of NFL players have already opted out, um, how do you control that? I mean, how there isn't a minor league for football where where if twenty some odd players get COVID nineteen and can't play, how, how are you going to have a football game? And it's, and it's ridiculous. It's a sport where there's 22 players in the field in contact on every single play. And if God forbid there's a fumble, you got 10 guys piled on top of each other. Uh, you know, I don't see how football can make it through the season. They're spitting in each other's face on every single play. Let's right. face exactly. it. It's gross, exactly. but it's that's the uh, nature of football. Yeah. And how on earth? Uh, well, the, the answer is, you know, ma- mandatory face shields in every single helmet. There are things that you could do, but... Why? Like, what, you know, I'm I'm for this. I don't want to be that guy that everyone thinks is trying to close everything down as it has been uh, the false choice that has been made. But we opened too soon. Let's not keep making that mistake over and over again. Maybe we need to just check back in in 2021 uh, when we've got this thing figured out a little bit better, especially with a sport like football. Trump is only worried about himself, so he's not going to let anything close down again. He's got his uh, chief cheerleader, Ron DeSantis, down here in Florida, and all his other bootlickers running states all over the place. It's just not going to happen. They don't care if people die. Well, okay. that's They're, they, they're safe. It's, well, it's, I hope that's Dave, not the case. I, I, I what I'm going to tell you case. now is regardless of who wins in November, you understand, because if Trump wins his second term, he can now come out and say things that he probably doesn't want to say now. 
if if that if that yeah. even is a case with him. And if Biden wins in in November, you know, we're definitely going to be looking at different scenarios to this. I mean, I'm just praying that some of these numbers start going down. You know, the the the, the argument that I hear from so many people that pisses me off is. Well, less than 1% are dying. Well, you know, when that 1% is somebody in your family, a close friend of yours, then all of a sudden, you know, you get a whole new perspective on this, okay? And I don't know about, you you know, our listeners out there, you know, I'm 60 years old with with underlying conditions of heart and diabetes, and, you know, I don't want to be afraid. I'm also getting close to an age where I want to retire. Yeah. Retiring at, 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 at my age because of, you know, the, the medications that I need and everything else and, and to enjoy my retirement for however many years God wants me on this planet. Um, you've been, scary you've been, reti- you've been retired off and on for uh, as long as I've known you. Semi-retired. There you go. But I've been getting paid. There's the problem. <laughs> I live like I'm retired, but I've been getting paid. There's a difference now. Joe Costello, final thoughts. It never should have been a political issue. It's a health issue. Whoever wins the election is going to have a very, very tough challenge ahead of them. Just by winning an election doesn't mean the virus is going to go away or not go away. And if you want the economy back that we all remember and we all loved and we all enjoyed, that was uh, whatever it was, it was 100% action. And without that, we're not getting it back. And so we got to defeat the virus. And the only thing that's going to do that is a unified front uh what is it united we stand divided we fall that goes beyond politics and right now we're falling absolutely let's take a final break of the program joe i'll give you something to think about during the break uh the short deck tournament is underway ten thousand dollar buy-in uh being played right now it's still actually open for a few more entries but i want you to take a guess over or under 125 entries so think about that We'll talk about it when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line, Big Dave, Joe, and Joe from South Florida. We'll be back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. 
Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach, but what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky. The eaters of men, cannibals. Firelight glistened on their oiled bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran, his canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Which is going on, and uh, what do you think? Uh, over or under... 125 entries in that tournament, a $10,000 buy-in. Short stack, right? Yeah, short deck. My my guess is because of everything that everybody's been going through, I'm going to go with the over. It is over, but not by much. 130 players. Uh, you might be wondering what kind of players are in that tournament. Uh, the leader is a player from Hong Kong named Wong1234, very creative. Uh, but uh, some of the other players you might have heard of, Ike Haxton, Isaac Haxton is in the top 10 right now in chips. Sam Greenwood playing. Jason Kuhn, who was up near the lead at one point, but has fallen off a little bit. Mike Leah is playing in this event. And uh, Mike Watson are a few of the players that are involved in this one. But that is going on now. And uh, they are down to 53 players. So uh, still going at it. And we'll keep an eye on that. We'll bring you the final results next week. Also, the Colossus, the $400 buy-in, is being played today. Uh, another tournament called the Plossus, P-L-O-S-S-U-S, which is uh, the Colossus of PLO, obviously. And uh, a few other tournaments uh, being played. Not a lot of huge names out there winning big events, but uh, we'll keep an eye on some of that. There are other news uh, items that are coming. It looks like Michigan has a very good chance of coming uh, online for poker in the next, eh, let's say, year. Uh, they're saying right now an early 2021 launch of online gambling. Uh, but now they're even trying to push it into this year, 2020. So we'll see uh, what happens in Michigan. Right now they are not uh, involved in commingling pools with the other states, so they'll go it on their own. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, they have passed the legislation that they uh, wanted to put together, and it's uh, getting very close now. So that state along with West Virginia, and pretty soon we're going to have uh, six or seven of these online, Joe. Yeah, let's, and I'm very happy for that because eventually that will probably lead to, you know, the, a federal rule where everybody in the states can all play on the same sites if everybody wants to. But I'm more concerned about our state here right now, Dave, where, you know, we don't even have sports gambling yet. You know, they haven't even looked at it. 
So I have a feeling that's going to have to come first before we even get online poker in the state of Florida. All right. Well, as we do the show here on July 28th, a Tuesday, there's just a few tournaments left. Uh, getting underway this afternoon is the uh, Omaha 8 six max event with a thousand dollar buy-in in vegas of course a lot of gg poker events still to come but uh the seniors tournament will start uh on thursday of this week july the 30th a 500 dollar buy-in for the seniors and then the championship event with a thousand dollar buy-in on fridays to close things out for the u.s side of the wsop online we'll keep you up to date on everything that's happening uh some big name tournaments happening over in europe into august including the millionaire maker uh the asia time zone championship they're calling it is going to be played as well there'll be a, a freeze out tournament for the uh, gg masters uh million dollar guarantee high rollers all kinds of tournaments still to go on into august and into the first week of september so that's uh gonna round out the schedule i i can't say that it's been really enjoyable following this this year it's uh, quite a bit different from what we're used to but hey you, you deal with what you can but to be honest with you dave i think not knowing the players and having some of these people, uh, you know, people who are not known to us or to the general poker public um, is a good thing, to be honest with you. How, how'd you like to sit at home, go, love, I love to play online and have, you know, 60% of the titles go to the uh, to top players, you know? Uh, people would automatically, with the conspiracy theories, be screaming out the, uh, to the top of their lungs that, oh, this is a fix, oh, these guys that, you know, they can't be this good. So it does suck that we don't know them. We don't have background stories on some of these players. But being that a lot of different people are winning this that aren't known, I think it's, good. it's a good thing going forward. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I'll close with is uh, the Caesars acquisition by uh, El Dorado has been completed. We talked a little bit about it last week. But surprise, surprise, it's going to involve job cuts out in the Las Vegas casino market. Well, obviously, you know they're they're hurting big time, um, and usually that's one of the it's one of the side effects of taking over another company. Uh, apparently, they're going to keep the Caesars name on there uh, out in Vegas. It's a great brand that's been around for a long time. Uh, El Dorado will be the uh, major owner. They bought a fifty one percent share of uh, controlling interest in Caesars at a price tag of $17.3 billion. Uh, New Jersey's approval of the deal last week, so that completes the deal after 13 months of working through the approval process, and uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, not only because of COVID and the loss of all these casino jobs all over the country, uh, you know, furloughed workers that, you know, were just called furloughed are now being officially unemployed as well. So. Uh, it's going to be tough to make a re any kind of recovery over the next few years in the, in the gaming business. And especially in the poker business, Dave, again, if, especially if there isn't a vaccine for this uh, anytime soon. But, uh, you know, we saw early on on that Facebook uh, chat thing that the dealers, poker dealers have that you've been on. You know, I'm starting to read now where some of these people are looking, where's their work available? Because, a couple of weeks ago is, oh, we're open here. We're looking for dealers. Other places haven't opened up and have let their, like you said, instead of being furloughed, they are now officially out of a job. Yeah. So that's that's going to be a, a situation that, you know, may affect, believe it or not, the WSOP 
going forward if they do have it live later this year or next year uh, where dealers find other jobs because there's no way to make a living at that right now. Yeah. And you find another job. Now you can't take that. You can't take that six, seven, eight weeks off to go deal at, at down in uh, the WSOP. So it's either going to lead to a lot less dealers or a lot worse dealers who are just basically, you know, thrown thrown to the wolves just to, you know because they could throw some cards out. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I'm uh, interested in reaching out to some of our. Uh... You know, not semi-regular guests that we've had over the years that uh, wondering how they're doing, how they're dealing with the whole situation. You think about people like uh, Sherry Bykovsky, uh, you know, some of the other ladies, Eileen Sutton, uh, you know, Sandra Moore, and some of the ones we've had on recently. Uh, I'm picking out a bunch of the ladies, but obviously we have a lot of other people that we, uh, we've kind of lost touch with over the years that haven't had on the show. And I'm just uh, curious as to how many people are moving on and not wanting to even really turn to play. Well, let me tell you, the longer you're away from it, the easier it becomes to, to stay away from it, Dave. Yeah, yeah you know? for sure. And I, actually, when you mentioned Sherry, I would, I'd love to know if she's playing online there since she lives in New Jersey. Yeah, she could if she wanted to. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's going to do it for our program tonight. Uh we uh, I, I don't want to say devolve, but we uh, we talk about the things tonight that that everybody's talking about every single day. And I know if you're looking at this show as a kind of breakaway from uh, discussions of things in in real life now, uh, I'm sorry we can't always do that. So uh, absolutely, uh, we'll try to get back to some more interesting poker talk and and uh, you know strategy sessions and and things like that and things that go on in the poker rooms at the table which uh, joe always delivers so elegantly so uh we'll get back to some more of that next week but uh joe we appreciate you being uh with us again joe costello thanks for stepping in putting the show together we do appreciate it and we'll be back with uh, some other things joe and joe with all the those great comments that you also made the observations that you made for us so thank you so much guys till next week and folks out there hopefully good luck at the tables if you're able to get to them yep and as we always say stay safe the views and opinions of the hosts guests or callers are not necessarily those of the station its owners advertisers or agencies 